98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing. Proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. We're going to begin and end today's 4 o'clock reset with the Arizona Cardinals. We'll start with the news. The team has signed linebacker Devon Kennard to the active roster from the practice squad, and they've released wideout Andre Bacellia. Uh, Devon Kennard, if we remember, has kind of been hopping back and forth between the practice squad and the active roster. It would appear those days of hopping around are kind of done. He is on the active roster now. I had suggested that by releasing a wideout in Bacellia that maybe that was foreshadowing that one of their injured wide receivers, Isabella or Rondell Moore, were getting close to return, but not necessarily. No, right? no, no. I can tell you I'm expecting that Trayvon Mullen, the cornerback, will be back for this game against the Rams. So not sure on Andy or or um, Rondell Moore at this point, but Trayvon Mullen will be back from what I'm hearing, will be back for that Rams game. So I do not, I would say no, that Kennard, that the decision on Kennard had nothing to do with a wide receiver. By the way, one other note, Howard Balzer, who covers the Arizona Cardinals, has reported on his Twitter account, the Ravens reportedly had a tryout with edge rusher Jason Pierre-Paul. Jason Pierre-Paul. Guy yes. you had suggested might be on the Cardinals' radar. So Devon Kennard, now a permanent, for now, part of the active roster and will not do the bouncing back and forth thing. The Arizona Diamondbacks, man, all the ways that bullpen has blown leads and caused losses this year. If you can believe this, they've never actually done it like they did it today. According to ESPN Stats and Info, before today, the Diamondbacks were actually 27-0 this season in games in which they led by four or more runs after the seventh inning. So all of the blown saves were when it was three or less. The Dodgers just handed Arizona their first such loss this season. They were down 5-1 entering the eighth. They won 6-5. So as bad as that bullpen has been, it hasn't been as bad as it was today. That's how awful that loss was. You know when you LA. play, when you play like cards, and you, you get like five, and then you could give like four back and just keep one. Mm-hmm. That's what the Diamondbacks bullpen is. I just want to give back all the cards and give me a whole new deck. I don't even know which give me one a whole I want to keep hand. at this point. For you have to sakes. keep one, right? So I'll keep one. I'll give back. No Melanson, no Kennedy, no Caleb Smith. I just want to hand them all back and start new. I think Eric was about to jump in and say this. The thing about it is, you have to keep an ace if you're going to give the other four back. I don't know if the Diamondbacks. I was that's just saying, that's those. your all-star, man. You guys are talking about the all-star. Right, and I like, that's, that's, that's one. You can't now. give back every single card. Yeah, I, and, and I know that's their all-star, but man, he hasn't pitched very well. He's pitched better than the rest of them, but that even then, that's not saying that much. He wasn't great today either. Some notes from the first game today. Dalton Varsho hit a home run, but that wasn't necessarily the story. First pitch swung on, deep fly ball to right field. Right fielder, Gallo going back. He's looking up. It's a home run for Dalton Varsho. And just like like that, the Diamondbacks take a 2-1 to lead. Jill Guerin, who became the first female voice to call a big league Diamondbacks game in franchise history. That sounded history. pretty good, too. She was promoted, for lack of a better word. I don't know how many innings she's going to get, but she was the is the play-by-play voice for the Visalia Rawhide. And so they had her do, I think, innings. I think it's 3-5. to 3-4-5. and five. Yeah. yeah. So Christian Walker also hit his 35th home run of the season as well. Climbing up that ladder. Yeah, he's now tied for 7th with Eduardo Escobar. 
Steve Finley and Matt Williams for the most home runs by a Diamondback in a single season at 35. How about that? Yeah. What a, what a terrible loss for the D-backs today. Oh, it was awful. It was, uh, we, it terrible. Was, it happened so fast. We were sitting in here. It was a 5-1 game. We even joked on the air like, oh, this just means Ian Kennedy or Mark Melanson is going to yeah. come in and blow it. They didn't even get a chance to pitch in this no. game. It happened that fast. Second game against the Dodgers tonight at 7-10 as part of this doubleheader. We'll dive deeper into his comments a little later. Among the many rumors of teams moving conferences, Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov said, much like somebody that just broke up with, they're kind of focusing on them right now. At this point, our 10 schools are completely focused on the future and being together and confident in each other. And um, it, it's now almost a running joke at our board meetings. What you know? What's what's the latest nonsense that someone is throwing against the wall and seeing see whether or not someone will report? We'll go deeper into these comments, okay. but he, he was on John Wilner and John Kinzano's podcast. podcast. He makes it sound like, nope, the 10 of us are together. We're unified. We're together. No one's coming to get us. No one's coming to break us he up. He has to. I know. He has to put forth that. He also said something about UCLA is going to break even, which makes no sense to me because they're going to make like $40 million yeah. more. But if UCLA stays in the Pac-12, they'll they'll make just as much money as they're, they do if they're they gonna go They're going to break even. Yeah, okay. You know? All right. But our top story of the day today on the Burns and Gambo Show is the completion of week two in the NFL, and in particular, trying to assess the landscape of the NFL. NFC after two weeks. And I thought you made a really good point when we were talking about this earlier. Now that we have a chance to kind of look at it and see, there's a couple of things we can say, I think, with certainty. Number one, Tampa Bay is clearly the best team in the NFC South, even though they're still not playing their best and they're beat to hell. They're the best team in the NFC South. Just injuries, right? Godwin's hurt. He didn't play in that game. Julio Jones hurt. He didn't play in that game. They're bringing in Cole Beasley. Like, it seems like their wide receiver core is pretty banged up right now. And yet they're 2-0, and it doesn't seem like there's any team in that division that's capable of challenging them. Same can be said with Philly in the NFC East. Uh, even though the Giants are 2-0, and nobody's buying it. You watch these games. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you buying it? No, I'm not buying it. <laughs> Just making sure. For a second, I thought we were going to have to have you medically checked out. Well, no, I don't know. Maybe no one's Chad, buying the Giants. You know, maybe if Chad Powers is, you know, comes back. Chad Powers. Chad Powers? That maybe the quarterback, Chad Powers. No, maybe. Oh, you totally missed that. He didn't see it. Didn't he didn't see, see it. Did no. you see it, Mitch? Chad Powers? I got you, Gambo. I oh, saw you it. saw it. Yeah, saw Eli it. Manning got all like dressed up in probably some of the worst like makeup I've ever seen. To be completely honest, tried out for Penn State. Walked on as a, for a Penn State tryout. Oh, Penn State quarterback oh, tryout as, as Chad, Chad Powers. Powers. Oh, and the coach like that kid could throw pretty good. I want to sign that kid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't see that at all. Chad Powers. Job, Eli Eric. Manning showed up at Penn State I practice. I didn't see that. Good job. And tried out as the quarterback, <laughs> and he ran like a five-five-four. And then Franklin's like, uh, we have a player that's ineligible. He's not able to participate. Chad Powers, I'm sorry. We that's, have to turn in your... That's funny. you no, got to see it. It's I, pretty I'll, funny. I'll look for that. I'll look for that. Yeah. I didn't see that. Philly looks to be the class of the NFC East. The Packers, even though they're just one and one, I think we all assume they're going to be the class of the NFC because North. Because Minnesota didn't give us any reason to believe in them last night. They gave us every reason to realize that they're not going to do it. Um, Chicago's not good. I like the Lions this year. They're crazy, but I kind of like the Lions. Ross St. Brown. Oh, my God. He's one of the top five receivers in the NFL. He's so good. 
Jared Goff threw four touchdown passes. Yeah. They almost won in week one, too, by the way. They almost won in week one. So I kind of believe it a little bit in the Lions. This might be a year they take a big step, the Lions. Um, but I just, Minnesota's just, they're not going to do it. So the Packers are that team. Yeah, Justin Jefferson got shut down last night by Darius Slay. Justin Jefferson shut and Devontae Adams. down. Darius Slay is good. Yeah, he is good. So that leaves the NFC West. Wide open. And in the NFC West, it feels more wide open than the rest of them, doesn't it? Yes. When compared it, to the other yeah. three divisions, it feels more wide open feel, after what okay, we've seen. So you feel like the Rams are down a little bit. You feel like San Francisco is the same because Garoppolo's back. And the Cardinals, as bad as you felt about them in week one, you feel a lot better about the second half in week two. Now, some people may feel like, you know, it's you know those first six quarters is almost like the preseason. Now that the preseason's out of the way, they're going to play better football. But you do feel really good about what they did. So I do think right now we have to two weeks, I think you can make an argument that it's a three-team race in the NFC West, but that the Eagles, like I would, you know, car payment that the Eagles are going to win, car payment that the Packers are going to win, car payment that the Bucks are going to win, and I don't have, I wouldn't make more than a, than a, than a coffee bet that on the NFC West right now. Yeah, Although it, I lean with you, I would lean 49ers if, uh, if I had to make a pick. It's crazy to say it, I think the best thing that happened to them was them losing their starting quarterback. When do you ever say that about anybody in the NFL? You know the best thing that happened to them? They lost their starting quarterback. I think that might be the best thing that happened to the 49ers. I really do, at least in terms of... I know, it's sad to say. but It is yeah. sad to say, it. and not that they were rooting for it, not that they wanted it. I wasn't rooting for it. No one's rooting for a tragic injury like that. It's terrible. But in terms of their ability to compete in that division, I think they're better off with Jimmy G. Do you know what goes Lance. against everything we always say? If your starting quarterback goes down, you're done. You're finished. It's over. For the San Francisco 40, if your starting quarterback goes down, you're going to win. You're going to win the West. It's not. You might have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Every like every team in the league, if your starting quarterback goes down, finish season over. San Francisco 49ers, your starting quarterback goes down, you're probably going to win more football games. Yeah, that's a, that goes against everything that we've ever said in our lifetimes with backup quarterbacks. Texas, your thoughts? The FanDuel text line is open for you right now. It's six twenty, six twenty. Now, when we come back, we don't want to rush through Sean Aguano's job for the rest of the season. It is curious seeing some of the favorites to be the next coach of ASU football. That's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. All right, let's talk ASU football in just a moment. There was, and it's not uh, breaking devils. news sounder worthy, but Sham Sharania of The Athletic is reporting the Suns are signing guard Frank Jackson to a non-guaranteed deal. Our own Kellen Olsen on Twitter points out the Suns have a roster spot open. Jackson could potentially earn that. They were in a similar, similar position last year with extra players for training camp, but they decided to keep that spot open at the start of the season. Frank Jackson for what it's worth is I'm pulling him up right now is 24 years old uh, he has played one season no he's played a few seasons I'm sorry with the Pistons and with the Pelicans um, back a point guard six foot three so he's a bit of a bigger point guard um, but bring him in as a kind of a camp body and just see see whether it's worth keeping him around or not but uh, that move made by the Suns today according to Sham Sharon yeah, yeah I'm not going to. Yeah, I will say this: I'm not going to rule out the Suns on Bogdanovich, but I'm going to tell you that it's not looking good from what I'm hearing. I'm not going to completely rule them out. You just never know. But um, they're definitely not the leader in the clubhouse at this point. And I, 
I, I would probably say it's more unlikely, but again, not going to rule it out completely because you never know, but it's, um, at this point, it's not looking good for the Suns getting Bogdanovich. Yeah, boy, talking about Boyan Bogdanovich from Boyan. Utah Jazz, who many thought were available and many on this show thought would be the perfect, perfect fit for the Phoenix Suns. So needless to say, I'm a little disappointed to hear that you're on the verge potentially of maybe ruling that out. That's too bad because I thought he would have been a really good ad for the Phoenix Suns. We'll see. We'll see what happens when it comes to that. So Sean Aguano has his first press conference yesterday as the head coach of ASU. And not that anyone's trying to push him out the door, but let's, you know, let's call, let's say it like it is. Yep. We have no idea if he's going to do enough to earn the job. We have no idea if he's prepared for this moment. And the ASU is probably looking bigger and thinking better, bigger than a guy who's never been a coordinator at a college level, a head coach at a college level. I imagine they're looking at other names right now, trying to figure out who they're going to hire. You look at the names, and granted this is a gambling story, but you look at some of the names that are like the odds-on favorite to be the next ASU head coach. Right. There are some interesting... Interesting names on that list, including one that might not be really available now for ASU anymore. Mike Norvell? Yeah, that'd be the one. Well, Florida State's undefeated. <laughs> They're off to a pretty good start, Florida State. Is so. he the, is he, and he's the leader in the clubhouse, right? Yeah, I, with the odds, plus 250, he's the leader. And then there's uh, Coastal Carolina's head coach, Jamie Chadwell, followed by BYU's head coach, uh, Kalani Sataki. Then Kansas's head coach, Lance Leopold. And then Tulane's head coach, Willie Fritz. Uh, Urban Meyer is 10th. Um, and listen, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm completely against Urban Meyer. I'm just going to say this now for anybody to just kind of bring up Urban I don't want Urban Meyer here. I don't, I don't want Urban Meyer. I have no interest in Urban Meyer. I don't want to go that route. Um, it's just, just too risky for me. Uh, I don't believe in the guy. The guy never stays in one place for any long period of time. I, I just wonder if he'd be just taking another paycheck. So for me, I'm, I'm a big no on Urban Meyer. These other guys, I don't know a lot about them. I know Norvell real well, but the, you know, I, I'm more in line with you know trying to get a young up and coming coach. It's gonna, you know, want to come come here to ASU and try to do some special things. Yeah, uh, our buddy John Wilner from the San Jose Mercury News tweeted out today: ASU fans should have only one opinion on Urban Meyer as a candidate. No bleeping way. <laughs> no bleeping way should he be a I candidate. Agree. And I agree. I, I agree with you and I agree with John. I, I just I don't think I don't think he should be the guy. Norvell, I, I'm sure he was linked to ASU earlier in the offseason because I don't think anybody expected Florida State was going to get off to a three and start. Mike Norvell's not leaving Florida State if they're going to have a good season. No, he, why would you leave Florida you, State you, for you ASU? I mean it's a, it's you, it's not even a lateral move. It's I, a it's a it's a lesser move. I'm guessing that the only reason why why he's the leader when it comes to the odds right now is a his connection with the university and sure. b I, I think people kind of at the beginning of the season thought yeah. that maybe Mike Norvell would be on some kind of a hot seat if they weren't able to get it done in Florida. I saw State. I, I, I saw Ken Summers you know article and talking about ASU and do you think that Ray Anderson is going to be making this decision or do you think that it's going to be a collaborative effort and he's just going to have a voice in the room? I, I, it sounds like he's gonna it's going to be a collaborative effort and he's going to have a voice in the room. Now I, I, what I suspect is, as he said, he'll be involved. 
And he was asked, does that mean it'll be your decision? And again, he just reemphasized, I'm going to be involved. I would suspect, and I don't know this, you're the source guy, not me. This is just a guess that ASU, there's lots of firms out there that can help you hire a head coach, right? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if ASU uses a firm sure. to help them hire a head coach and that Ray Anderson Make recommendations, is a right. part of that process, but is not the decision maker. Now, look, we can turn this into a conversation about Ray Anderson because I, I, I get it. There have been things that have gone on with that athletic department that he deserves credit for. But the state of the football program is not one of them. The way he's handled this has not been one of them. He hired a friend. He didn't want to fire a friend and only did so when it was absolutely necessary because of an embarrassing loss. I don't think Ray Anderson should have anything to do with hiring the next head coach at ASU. Not a thing to do with it. But that means removing him as athletic director. And I don't know if Michael Crow's going to do that, to be honest with you. Yeah, and if you are going to remove from athletic director, do you really want to bring in a new athletic director who didn't hire the football coach? Right. Think about that. Right. That's why, like, if he if they hire a coach and Ray Anderson is still here, he, unfortunately, is your AD. Because you wouldn't do that. I mean, you can't, like, well, who knows with Michael Crow. But you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to... I seriously, hey. almost, I almost spit my coffee when you said yeah. that. When you said, "Who knows with my that smelled pretty good in there." What would you make? Like a cappuccino? What was uh, that? Just a cup of coffee. Just a cup of coffee. It smelled good, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I like the chocolate milk one. Mocha. Can you make a mocha in there? <laughs> I like the. I don't I look. Not now. But yeah. If you want a mocha, I can make you a mocha. With you want whip? Machine. I'll give you a whip. I like because it's like chocolate milk, right? I, that's what I like. A hot mocha. Is that coffee? <laughs> can anybody else on the show imagine Gambo caffeinated? Holy crap! I mean, this is you normal. Y'all are trying to get clickbait. <laughs> Actually, you got a Dr. Pepper there. You I are small, mildly, just a little teeny yeah, one. Yeah, you are mildly I got the little teeny, the little teeny one today. Uh, I almost spit up my coffee. Yeah, because think about it. One. You're not going to, okay, Ray Anderson is part of the process. You hire a new coach, and then you say, ah, you know what? We're going to fire Ray after the basketball season, and you get a new AD coming in, and you got a coach that's under contract for five years. How stupid is that? Yeah. Like, that would be so oh, dumb. You wouldn't, you wouldn't and, and it would be so dumb. Would it be, it'd be dumb for ASU to do it, and quite frankly, it'd be dumb for a coach to take the job. It'd be dumb for a coach to take a job and go, hey, by the way, uh, is Ray Anderson going to be the athletic director a year from now? Because if, he, if he's not, I'm not going to take this job. I'm not going to take a job knowing that the guy who hired me might be gone a year from now. Because that just might be I'm gone two years from now when you hire a new athletic director. Right. They've gotta, it's got to be synced up. It's got to be if if Ray Anderson is even remotely involved in this process, you're not getting rid of Ray Anderson. You can't, no. you can't do it. I just think the way Ray botched this so badly with Herm from the beginning to the end, I just don't think he should be a part of the process. I, I really, I really don't. But I also think, and I don't know if you agree with this. I think ASU's in a position where I don't even know if they're going to get a real high quality candidate right now because of the state of the investigation. Like they almost, they almost might have to hire a guy that they know is not going to be the guy. Knowing that in two years from now, they can go hire a guy who is the guy. Oh, I don't want to do that. You know what I, I mean? I don't want to do that. I, you, re, you want them to hire a guy believing that he's not the guy? Uh, not, not believing, just acknowledging the reality of the situation. We're going to hire a guy right now knowing that when we get out of this, this punishment that's going to be put on us, we'll have a better pool to draw from than the pool we've got right now. Right now, the pool You candidates- probably will, but you still have to approach this and try to hire that young up-and-comer with, oh, the, with and, and believe that he could be the guy going you, forward. And you give him a chance to be the guy 
but you also kind of know in the back of your mind that you're not paying them as much money. Where if it doesn't work, you can get. It. I mean, I get that part of it. You just got to protect yourself but, but, a little I mean, bit. Because listen, I, what terms the, buyout? I mean, we, we don't know yet, right? I mean, we still don't know whether he was fired or whether he quit. I mean, it's, we're still yeah, trying to figure that part out. It's not like you're not paying them like Scott Frost money. Right, so I mean, I don't think the buyout for Herm's going to be that big of a deal. No, but it's but it's, it's going to be probably going to be something. To me, it's not about the money; it's just about the pool of candidates you have to draw from. I just don't think the pool's going to be very deep when you're looking at punishments that have yet to come, an investigation that has yet to be complete. I think once the investigation's over and once the punishments are known, then you'll have a better pool to draw from. And you just got to be careful about who you hire now because you might be able to hire somebody better a couple of years from now. That's all I'm saying. You hire a guy because you believe in him. I'm not saying you hire somebody, hey, you know what, we're going to hire you, but we're going to fire you in two years. But you also know you'll have a better chance of getting somebody better a couple of years from now. That's all I'm saying. Right. I, I, I That makes sense. That makes sense. And you probably can't hire a coach that you're going to pay this crazy amount of money to because you're not going to be hiring from that pool of coaches. Yeah. You're hiring from a lesser pool of coaches that aren't going to cost as much money. Who would you rather have? Hollywood Brown or Christian Kirk? Ooh. Can't wait to have that conversation next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Here on the Burns and Gambo Show, which means it's time to get an update on our Twitter poll question of the day from our guy, our afternoon contributor, Eric Ruby, here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Right, we got two of them, one dealing with what we were just talking about and one dealing with what we're about to talk about. So why don't you do the one we were talking about in the last segment first? You ask, I will do it, Burnsy. How will you guys determine the rest of this ASU football season? How do you determine their success? You've got three options. Option number one is the good old classic. Win some games. Judge them based off wins and losses. Option number two is how do they play in those games? Do they try hard? Is their spirit rejuvenated? And option number three, the most cynical of them all, the season's already lost three weeks in. Hmm. And then, of course, there was option number four, which we didn't include, but a lot of people are writing in, just beat U of A and I don't care. Which some people actually feel that well, no, way. No, some people do. A lot of people, a lot of people okay, actually but, feel that way. But why way. do they feel that way? Because, because ASU is, is, is the most mediocre program in the history of college you, football. You, like That's you said, Gambo, you play with the deck of cards that you're dealt. They've been dealt this in this I, hand I, of cards. I, 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 and they, they want, look, if they're going to win any game, if you're going to look at any one game for them to win, yeah, beat them. you want it to be you. Man, but it's got to be. you got to strive for more than that. you got to strive for it, but minimum, as long as, long as you don't you lose yeah. to U of A, so you hear that for the next year on top of everything else. I think based Basically, people who would be answering that would say the season's lost as it is, but just beat U of A. So at least we have that hook to hang our hat on. Keep right? that pride. I, I, you know, at least you can say as bad as it was, we didn't lose to them. I personally would vote for the spirit, the competitiveness. I, I, I don't think they're going to win a lot of games. I don't. But I it, can they be competitive in these games and play harder than they played on Saturday night? Honestly, that's what I'm looking at the rest of the year. You want good old fashioned wins and losses? I'm, you know what? I'm tired of the whole. Let's be let win freaking games. Go win games. Your quarterback is from Florida. Your running back's pretty good. You got good players on defense. Win games. 
I know it might be hard to do, but I'm I'm in the win some damn games category. What's the uh, audience say on this one? 52.8% say the season is already lost. The 25.9% in second place, you got to judge it off wins and losses. And in third place at 21.3% is team spirit and morale is how they will be judging them now. The second question will go real quick so you guys can actually talk about your answers. What would you rather have if you were the Arizona Cardinals? Wide receiver Christian Kirk on his current contract and the 2022 first round pick that they traded this year for our other option, wide receiver Marquise Hollywood Brown and the 2022 cap space that trading for him brought. Hmm. Reason we're asking that question. Mm. Christian Kirk's off to a good start. 12 catches, yeah. 95 yards, two touchdowns so far. So would you rather have Christian Kirk and the draft pick that you used to get Hollywood Brown, or would you rather have Hollywood Brown and the cap space that you got by making that move this year? I would have kept my first-round pick last year, huh? Yeah, you wouldn't have needed it for Hollywood Brown. I'm going to have to lean that way. That You know, it's funny. If you just say Kirk or Hollywood Brown, then I think you go Hollywood Brown. But when you say Kirk and the draft pick... Versus Hollywood Brown in the cap space. Uh-huh. I, I'm kind of with Gambo on this one. It creates the, oh, I would have had that pick back. And, and that's cap space for this year. And, and yeah, well, it's just a crazy amount of money. Contract soon. It was a crazy amount of money for Kirk. It, it felt crazy in the moment. Like average is like $18 million a year. Yeah. What's our audience say on this one? This one's surprising. It's 75-25. And 75% are picking Marquise Hollywood Brown and the money. 25.9% are going with Kirk and the pick. Christian Kirk, thank you uh, for both of those questions, Eric. We appreciate it. As I mentioned, Christian Kirk has 12 catches, 195 yards, two touchdowns so far. He has been Trevor Lawrence's go-to guy. I'm looking at ESPN.com, which projects his season, basically says he's on pace. He's never going to, I don't think, going to get there. He's on pace for over 1,600 yards receiving and 17 touchdowns. For a guy who never went over 1,000, for a guy who had never more than 80 catches in a season, who never had more than six touchdowns, in a season. I don't know if he's going to end up with 17 and 1,600 yards. They love him so far. But they do love him, and Trevor Lawrence looks you know, looks like he has become his go-to guy. Should the Cardinals have made more of an effort to bring Christian Kirk back, or the goodwill that they created by bringing in one of Kyler's guy, is that kind of part of the equation in bringing in Marquise Hollywood-Brown? Do you have to factor that in a little bit here? I don't know. Like, I... It, I don't know. You have like one of the things that Doug Peterson talked about. And I was reading this. Um, it's something that we started back in the spring with those two kind of building that relationship. Christian is a great player. That's why we went out and got him in free agency. And you could see it now two weeks in a row. Some of the plays that he's made, he's made an impact for our offense. But yeah, it's just a matter of them just continuing to work, stay on the same page, coming up with the game plans that help Christian get open and Trevor to find him. So they've developed that as the connection. Like that was part of their game plan because he's got 12 catches for 195 yards. He's fourth, fourth most in the NFL right now, Christian Kirk. He's proven to be worth $18 million a year. I don't know if he would have had that chance to be the number one guy with Kyler because Hopkins is here and because they may spread it around a little bit more. But I think that they, they, they tried to make the, in Jacksonville, they tried to make their a, a special connection between those two guys. Yeah. That I'm not so sure that would have happened here. I'm not sure if it would have either, and I, I we're waiting on that to happen between Kyler and Hollywood. It hasn't happened yet. They've had a couple of moments, but nothing like what we're expecting. I, I think for me, the big thing to factor in all of this is if you're the Cardinals and you give them a first-round pick for Hollywood Brown, you have to resign him, don't you? 
I mean, because if you don't, you wasted a first round pick. You wasted a first round pick it's on two years business. of a player. It's I mean, terrible business. I mean, it's terrible value. I mean, it's just. I it, like what I've seen out of him so far. I'm not opposed been, to signing. He's him. been fine, but but mm-hmm. but, and you don't have to sign him now. You've got him under a very friendly deal this year. You've got him under a fifth year option next year. You don't have to do anything with him. But at some point, you can't trade a first round pick and only get two years of play out no. of the guy. Mm-hmm. You, you just can't. that's bad business. Yeah, and, and so unless you win a Super Bowl. You do it to win a Super Bowl, like you know, I can understand that if you're doing it to get to win, like, but they're not going to win a Super well, Bowl this year. Or you flip him later, and you're able to get another first round pick back for him, kind of like everybody did with Brandon Cooks. Remember him? Uh-huh. He kept getting traded for first round picks. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to use you, and then I'm going to trade you for a first round pick. And I'm going to use you. I'm going to now. If you can do that with Hollywood Brown, maybe you can get some value back. But I always assumed you don't make that trade for Hollywood Brown without assuming you're going to sign him. The question then becomes comes, are you going to end up signing Hollywood Brown for more money than you would have paid if you just kept Christian Kirk? But did they kick the can down the road to spend that money later so they didn't have to spend it now? For instance, Christian Kirk got a $20 million signing bonus, a $1.5 million base salary, and a couple of bonuses of $500,000 each, workout bonus. So basically, they paid him $22.5 million this year. Hollywood Brown got paid $2.1 million this year. Did we talk about cash versus cap? Yeah. Cash for Christian Kirk was $22.5 million. Maybe they couldn't have done that this year. They just get, they couldn't have done it this year. So instead, they kick it down the road for a couple of years when then, okay, we can't pay him because they didn't spend any money this year outside of Keeping their own extensions. Their guys, right. So yeah. it, might have, it might be like we can't give Christian Kirk $22 million this year. So let's trade for Hollywood Brown. Kick and then, the can a couple of and roads, in a couple of years we'll, we can spend the money on Hollywood Brown because we'll be out from under some of these other things that we're in. Like look, we're not going to have JJ Watt on the team anymore, and we'll be out <clears throat> out from out from some of the dead money that we're paying. I'm happy for Christian Kirk. I really am. I'm happy to see him doing well. I hope the Cardinals have a reason to extend Hollywood Brown and, and pay him that kind of money because it will have mean it means it will have worked. It means it was a success and it was a good idea. If we have another debate two years from now as to whether Hollywood Brown is worth the extension, that is a big, big problem. When we come back, I'll give George Klyovkov credit for this. He's not nearly as worried about the state of the Pac-12 as much as we are. That dude's confident. We'll tell you about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. It has been two months since we have heard from Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov. Like, it's been all quiet on the Western Front, right? Very quiet. We, and I can't remember, by the way, who, uh, uh, the, who, um, <laughs> remember we were trying to remember the name of the guy who f- said the phrase about the Western Front? Oh, I have no idea. Can't remember. Can you remember? We looked it up. <laughs> I can't remember who it was. It was... Give me his first name. Eric's looking it up. See, we can't remember. Like it's like it's a it's amazing how how you can't remember things as you get yeah, older. You can't never. You know what? Never mind. Don't worry about it. George Klyovkov hasn't said a word about anything since he had Pac-12 Media Day. He finally made himself available. He went on John Wilner and John Canzano's podcast. They they get together. Wilner, two great Pac-12 insiders. They they. Do Pac-12 podcasts every single week, and Klyovkov, the commissioner of the Pac-12, went on their podcast 
and said this. If the schools, namely Washington and Oregon, wanted to go to the Big Ten, they would have left by now. I think if schools would have left for the Big Ten, they would have left for the Big Ten already. And also what I will tell you is I'm very focused on things that are in my control. Things that are not within my control, I find no value in spending time on. So again, a little muddy there at the beginning. Okay. But Klyovkov said if... If those two schools were going to leave, they would have left already. And on the media rights and the urgency to get the media rights done, he doesn't want to set a timeline on it because, frankly, he doesn't feel like there's any sense of urgency at all. I'll let him explain. I don't want to set a timeline one way or the other. I, you know, we're in the middle of it. Um, it's going to be in the near future. We're really happy with the progress so far. We're confident about where we're going to end up. But I, I don't want to miss anyone's expectations one way or the other with respect to when it's going to get done. And I also don't feel, candidly, any sense of urgency at this point. And the reason why he feels no urgency? At this point, our 10 schools are completely focused on the future and being together and confident in each other. And um, it, it's now almost a running joke at our board meetings. What, you know, what's, what's the latest nonsense that someone is throwing against the wall and seeing see whether or not someone will report he sounds very confident that he doesn't that his 10 schools don't have anything to worry about getting poached from the Big 12, getting poached from the Big 10. There's right. no rush on yeah. the media rights. Did he know UCLA and USC were leaving? No. <laughs> no if you not. would have asked him the day before, the day before, how do you feel about the pack? Well, we, well, we got a strong we got a strong conference. He had no clue. He had no clue. See, if you're Oregon or Washington, you're not calling him saying, hey, I got to be honest with you, man. we're, we're out of here. Like the second we get off, we're, no, you're not saying that. No. You know, if you're Oregon and Washington, if you're any of these schools, you have to play both sides of the fence. You have to. You have to make, you know, make both sides believe that you love them. You know, you got no choice. So George Kliakov, he could say everything, but he, he knew nothing, nothing about UCLA and USC leaving until they told him we're leaving. So for him to sit there and say that everything's so strong, we're good, nobody's going. To, yeah, you could say all that, but you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know who's negotiating behind for, your back. No you idea. don't know who's saying because what they're not to calling who. you and telling you. Like, hey, uh, yeah. By the way, we're in discussions with the Big Ten right now. Well, we're in discussions with the Big Ten. Nobody is going to tell you. Yeah. Because they just not. You'll know when when they announce it. That's when you'll know. You're, you're not, not getting a heads up on it. No, you're not wrong. And, and and I think maybe of all the things that he said on this podcast, the one that's getting the most attention and the one that people are going, yeah, right, dude. Come on, seriously, was his answer to the question about UCLA leaving for the Big Ten and the suggestion he made that they actually stand. UCLA does stands to make just as much money if they stay. As if they go. I'll let him explain. We've kind of done back-of-the-envelope calculations on the negative impact on UCLA expenses, travel expenses, and just expenses for coaches' salaries and other things, just to get to the average Big Ten athletic budget. And, um, you know, we we think that uh, the incremental money they're going to receive from the Big Ten media rights deal will be more than 100% offset by additional expenses. So you end up taking that money that you earn – and it goes to airline and charter companies and coaches and administrators. It doesn't go to supporting the student-athletes. 
Look, inflation is through the roof. I get it, right? Times are tough right now. Everything's costing a gazillion dollars more than it used to. We're not in a good shape as a country right now with, the, with these prices. I get, but I don't think that the extra airline fees and hotels are going to cost you $40 million. <laughs> like, I think you'll be able to pocket some of that extra coin that you're making. You might spend an extra million, but I don't think you're spending an extra $10 million. Yeah. The Bruins expect to receive approximately $70 million annually from the Big Ten. Industry sources believe if they stay, they could make thirty-five to forty million in the Pac-10 per year. Some believe it might be a little more than that. So let's say it is a little more than that. That's twenty-five million dollars more per year to go to the Big Ten. What airline are you flying? Yes. What hotel are you staying in? What coach are you hiring? You're saying twenty-five million more. That, that, that twenty-five that there would be a twenty-five million dollar difference yeah. between what you're going to get from the Big Ten and best case what you would get from the Pac-12. Come on, come on, Commissioner Klyovkov. You're putting lipstick on a pig and you know it. <laughs> You're putting lipstick on a pig and you know it. it it's that it, 25 million. Listen, I know the prices are up right now. Yeah. So this, come on. Now, look, everything, and I think the broader point of this whole segment here, everything that George Klyovkov says, look, we like him as a commissioner. He's certainly better than the last guy, but he's. Trying to put a good spin on this, all right? He's in crisis management mode, and so what's he going to do? He's going to tell you everything's okay. Hey, we're good. No, we're fine. The 10 teams were unified. We're together. If guys were going to leave, they would have left by now. If schools were going to go somewhere else, it would have happened by now. It hasn't. We're all good. We're okay. UCLA, man, we're trying to convince them they're not going to make a dime more going to the Big Ten than they are staying here in the Pac-12, which is ridiculous, and everybody knows it. He's trying to preach calm and patience in a time of great upheaval with his conference. You said it best earlier. What else is the guy supposed to say? I mean, I don't want to give him a pass for saying these things, but at the same time, if I were him, this is exactly what I'd be doing. have to do it. We're good. Everything's fine. Strong no, front. Good. Everything's good. Yep. yep. Yeah, you got to create that illusion. You got to create that sense of yeah. we're fine. Baghdad Bob. <laughs> Bag- right, Baghdad Bob. Baghdad Bob. Everything's fine. We're winning the war. <laughs> We're winning this war. Everything's good. Baghdad Bob. I haven't heard that reference in a long time. It has been a while. It's all good. Nothing to, Nothing, to Nothing to see here. We're fine. We're pushing him back. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android, and you'll never miss any of the show. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast is brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Some describe the Cardinals' first three weeks as a gauntlet. Well, this week they take on maybe the toughest part of that gauntlet. We all know what happened the last time these two teams met, and yet the Rams are very different. And we'll tell you how next on the Burns and Gambo Show.